0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mindful You Podcast, where we explore various paths and avenues and practices that people do in order to develop their own mindfulness skills and to contribute and be of service to others. And today, Tina Irwin is coming back to us because the first time we did the podcast, it was a wonderful conversation and we ended the conversation talking about frequencies and higher frequencies and how do you raise your frequency and what are the benefits of frequency. And Tina wrote a couple of books on frequency. So I said, let's get together and have a conversation about frequencies and higher frequencies and what we can do to, to build our frequencies so we can move closer and closer to that mindful, non-judgmental state of consciousness that we call mindfulness. So please welcome back to the Mindful You podcast, Tina Irwin, who will be discussing higher vibrations. She'll be discussing the chakras, the root chakras, the crown chakras, and what we can do, practical things that we can do in order to increase our own Vibration level. So, please welcome Tina Irwin to the Mindful You podcast. Uh, let's clap for Tina Irwin. Boy, oh boy, oh boy! Thank you for coming back, Tina, to the Mindful, the Mindful You podcast. Thank and, you,
1: Alan. I love being here.
0: <laughs> oh well, we love you being here because you are a a, a disciplined, uh, scientific based practical feet grounded on the on on the ground provides clarity and credibility as we talk about this this uh space of of mindfulness and building bridges and building bridges to mindfulness and our last conversation we ended by talking about vibrations and and the quality of the vibrations and, and and, and what are what is a vibration? And then, okay, well, what's the opposite to a vibration? And then you said, well, I wrote some books on vibrations. And I said, boy, that seems like the synchronicity of you're talking about it. And I'm thinking about it. And here we are. So I thought it'd be beneficial for us to dive into the pool of of understanding uh, vibrations. And we'll start by just simply... Uh, give us if if possible some definitional thoughts about how we should listen to you talk about vibrations
1: everything vibrates it's part of what makes life life and there are vibrations even at the tiniest finest level everything vibrates because it's part of the definition of life itself <clears throat> and every vibration creates karma so karma and frequency or karma and vibration all go together and i'm i'm saying that because i have a lot of people say well i want to change my karma or i don't like the space i'm in and my answer is well there's a process and it's called changing your frequency and everything is frequency from I mean, you might think that this, this wonderful Herkimer cluster that I have is just this plain, gorgeous rock, but it's still vibrating even in its own stillness, even in its solid form, it's sending out some form of a frequency. And I, one of the things I study is something called biogeometry. And the founder of that, Dr. Ibrahim Karim, Talked about the monochord, and I'll I'll use actually a Kareem pendulum. And on this chord, which is a little bit hard to see, even in the light, but here's a chord.
0: I believe and you, I, I would, see it.
1: On the chord, it's like a violin, and I played a violin for a short period of time. And as you hit different spots on the chord, that's where a frequency number can be but your frequency can change based on different events or the things that happen to you and your frequency is how are you vibrating? And and we know that this is true because someone will look at you and say, Oh my gosh, you're just glowing today. Or, you know, you're pregnant and you're glowing, or you just got that new job and I can see that you're so excited about it. Or are you having a bad day? I mean,
0: yeah, you seem to have town today.
1: So what are you getting that gives you that clue about the person in front of you? You are doing what I would call spiritual braille. You're unconsciously sort of feeling the vibration in the person's auric field. You're feeling the vibration in their structure. And as you feel that you are getting this, this feedback from the person. Mm-hmm. It's what happens when you go to a Japanese garden where you have everything is in this beautiful balance. So this frequency is smooth and, and fabulous. But if you go to a place where you have chaos, you're in downtown Los Angeles in traffic and horns are honking and people are doing what people do in crowds and traffic. And you're distracted because you're now bombarded with this plethora of frequencies and you're trying to sort them all out. And the pressure of those frequencies lowers your own. Mainly because you're trying so hard to deal with it, it's distracting and a lot of times it's disturbing. You see, so, excuse me, you see something on, on television or a video or you hear a conversation, it's disturbing. And it sends a little shockwave through your auric field and directly affects your frequency. It, it's who you are inside and how you're reacting and what experiences you had determine your frequency. It's if, if I were a mathematician, I would be describing this incredibly complicated formula with X plus Y and all these funny symbols, which I know nothing about. Except that we are so complicated as human beings that all that, all the things that describe our frequency are hard to define because we're being impacted at every moment. I think that's kind of a long explanation.
0: <laughs> well, it's a. It, it was fun to listen uh, to the conversation about fre- frequency, and. And the idea that I that I had about about frequency before, that I definitely wanted to bring up in the conversation, is uh, definitely you can choose if if you want to raise your vibration. You mentioned the environment in which you you live, and Correct. so so let's just talk about what people can do. To create an environment which is more under their control, a small environment, big environment, closet, room, house, whatever the environment is. What can people do to uh, build that, that uh, uh, muscle of, of, of being able to have quiet, quiet or solitude in, to calm down the agitation which is being bombarded with the media constantly from the outside world?
1: I would start by just, I. one of the things I, I also do is I'm a feng shui practitioner. And feng shui is a study right. of wind and water. But above all, it's the study of balance. And if you're looking around, wherever it is that you're standing, it could be at your desk, at your office, it could be in your home or your bedroom, it could be looking at your yard. And as you're looking around, at your yard or your wherever it is you're standing, wherever you look is what you're seeing, bringing you peace and making you feel like you're in balance. It's probably among the simplest things that you could start with. Occam's razor is the simplest solution is the right solution most of the time. And if you're standing there and you're seeing piles. If you're in your, let's say you're in your den or your den and kitchen or whatever, you see piles of newspaper and stacks of magazines and and your Afghan and the pillows are all in disarray. Or you've got toys everywhere and there's dirty dishes. What you're seeing is chaos. Chaos lowers frequency. It's very simple. Let's say simple that equation. again
0: because that that's. But I I also believe that to be true. Uh, Chaos. Chaos.
1: Chaos lowers frequency.
0: And sources of chaos would be what?
1: There are a jillion sources of chaos. Some of them can just be memories. But you can have clutter is the first thing that comes to mind. Marie Kondo wrote a wonderful book about keeping things neat and tidy. I can't remember the name of her book, but I remember the author because she did a good job at helping people to bring order out of the chaos of their lives. And when you walk into a location, the more sensitive you become to the energy of chaos, the more a drive exists within you to balance the chaos with a certain level of order. Some things you can't do anything about, certainly downtown big cities. But if you make your area a place that's a haven, it's going to shift your personal energy. It will directly affect your health because if everywhere you look is chaos, it creates a tension in the body. Tension in the body creates inflammation and lowers frequency. When you look in a room, and you, some some of us are so sensitive, we can sense an unmade bed anywhere in your house. That's difficult. But if you're in a room and in a few, few steps, you you neaten up the pillows, you fold up the afghan, you throw the newspaper away, And you get rid of the magazines you're never going to read or you're done with. You put the dishes in the dishwasher. You wipe off the counters. It might take you 10 minutes. And then you stand back and look at the room. What's still out of balance? What's still bringing you dis-ease? If you're at ease, you're in a place of peace and calm. If you're not at ease, you're in dis-ease. And now we can see the origin of illness. I'm trying to build a logic trail as we're going along. So let me stop for a minute. How are we doing? Uh,
0: I I love the idea that the uh, thoughts are things.
1: Thoughts are things.
0: That are building blocks to to, to something. And that something can either be to heaven or to hell. Um, And so if you have thoughts of love and compassion, then your physical body will also be more heavenly, uh, because your physical body is built on your your loving thoughts. Or you then have the egoic attack thoughts, uh, which is thoughts which are uh, justifying and defending my identity, and that will that will bring my energy down. And when you were talking, I, I I'm going to throw it in. It's a little bit over here. But as you were talking of the, the lower energy and the higher energy, what came to my mind are the seven chakras um, and the energy fields and the vibrations of the seven chakras. Is that connected here to what we're talking about?
1: It's absolutely connected, and it's an outstanding point. We're in a period of time right now where everything everything seems to be focused on the root chakra. Everything has a sexual overtone. We're seeing human trafficking, which is only about sex. We're seeing issues with gender. Again, it's about sex. We're seeing so much pornography. Every single television and movie show has scenes where you either have violence or raw sex. And what's happening is you're appealing to the root chakra you're not rising through the levels. You're not moving into the upper chakras where you're saying beautiful things or you're using the creative mind. And we're also seeing this in schools. I mean, Oregon is trying to pass a law where I think they did pass the law where you don't have to be able to read and write to graduate from high school because they don't want to offend anyone. You don't have to do math. You can't, you don't even have to make simple change or understand how to read a a book at all. Again, you're lowering the frequency because you're not demanding in any way that people rise to an occasion. That the stress of learning actually stretches you in a really good way. So the focus of today's world is stress. It's very sexually oriented abusive sex is, I'm seeing this over and over. So we're keeping the frequency of the population low. We're creating chronic fear, keeps the frequency of the population low. If the frequency of the population is low through fear, no one is at ease. Everyone, I mean, I had someone recently, my housekeeper tell me that she was super concerned about all the things that were happening in the world and it was affecting her sleep. Someone's being really effective. And if, if you're that, if you're that afraid or you're that concerned, then your focus, your concentration are all going to be off. It's going to be very, very difficult for you to move through your days with clear focus Yep. It It's going to cause uh, other companies, especially pharmaceutical companies, to make a ton of money. Yep. It, the goal is to make people afraid, make people feel guilty. Well, we know that religions have been doing that for centuries. Uh, guilt seeks punishment. A lot of punishment is through illness. So if we've made you guilty, we've made you fearful, we've made you sick, we've made you focus on nothing past the root chakra... We can keep the frequency of an entire population, maybe a global population, low. And if we destroy all of the nature centers, which we're seeing happening, unfortunately, a lot, where there are peaceful, quiet places, then we are boxing a human being in and lowering and lowering and lowering frequency. And we're seeing, we know that the death rate globally is up 40%, 40% above anything it's ever been in recorded actuarial history. And that's from the One America Life Insurance Company that came out in 22. So if we have people who are now they're afraid and they're guilty and they're stressed and they're grieving, grieving will drop your frequency like a rock. I mean, we all know people who have died suddenly or died recently, and all of those are factors in frequency reduction. And a lot of times people feel like they just recover from one blow and they get hit with something else and they can't ever get they can't they quote, can't get back on their feet, which means what they're saying is, I can't find my balance anymore. I forgot what it looks and feels like. I don't know how to find who I am again. And you see people doing weird things, behaving ways that in if they were in their right mind, they wouldn't behave those, in those ways. People being cruel to children, people forgetting meals. Nobody sits down to dinner anymore, which is something we certainly do at our house. Everyone sits down together. But we have a focus on that. It's a discipline. It helps children to feel like the family unit is strong. And if your family unit is strong, your children just don't get sick. It's just amazing. If there's kindness in a family, children don't get sick. People don't get sick. So there isn't any dis-ease. Maybe that's a, a helpful way to look at it.
0: Oh, it's a wonderful way to look at it. The idea of, uh, the there's a term often used by mystical folks describing the mind and they describe the mind as a monkey monkey mind and the monkey mind is a mind in which there's constant particles of thoughts so those energy thoughts are just zipping all over the place 65 80 000 thoughts zipping through your mind all the day and and and, and then when you see something that offends you it even stirs up the monkey mind even more like these little tornadoes. And I mean, Oh my God. And and, when you're constantly, you're constantly stirred up and, and and the only way that I can think that we're going to solve the, 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 you're at the effect of the, of, of the, of the outer movie um, is to get control of the thoughts that you, uh, that you are uh, alcoholic, controlling the paint that you use to, to paint the reality in which you live and, and, and get that paintbrush in your hand and realize your destructive thoughts aren't beneficial. Good for the ego, uh, but not beneficial for the well-being of the of, of the spaceship in which everybody's in right now. And so that leads to m- my banner, which is mindfulness, uh, being present in, in the moment and being able to manage the thoughts uh, so that you don't see... What you see as the meaning of that, I don't see it as the meaning of that. Uh, the meaning comes from me. I, it comes from. It, it has no meaning in itself. And then, but I need to develop that ability. And the only way I know how to do it is 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 find, it's find fortresses. For I use the word fortress of solitude. It's just uh, finding places in which are still. In order to help still my mind, and I believe. There must be lots and lots of people saying we need to bring this healing into the into the the masses in order to increase that root chakra uh, to uh, to another level of vibration. And I, does that make sense?
1: It makes sense. But what if there's a really simple way to start the process? Just an achingly simple way.
0: Simple is simple is good
1: we want to take someone from the trauma drama of the root chakra and we want them to go to the crown chakra, but how do we do that quickly? And the easiest way and the fastest way is through prayer. And I I use that term and I use that as an example because Let's say that you see the devastation that took place in Acapulco or the terrible earthquake in Turkey or Chile or, or what happened in Lahaina. And you're watching these things and you're going, Oh my gosh, what can I do? I'm so helpless. And you feel powerless, lowering your frequency. What if you were to feel powerful and you could raise your frequency? And the great ones say that love is the answer. And when you pray, you are instantly connected to God. That's one of the reasons I wrote the Crossing Over Prayer book it is 88 prayers that talk about natural disasters and world events. And there are specific prayers for those specific events so that you are not powerless if all thought is energy, if you take the energy and you you take your energy of compassion for the for people who who just lost everything and you find the avenues that enable you to be at peace. I donate to several charities that help with all these different disasters immediately. Okay, I've done something On a continual basis, I can afford to do that. My husband and I have always done this. And I'm using prayer every single night. So I'm not guilty because I can't do anything. I'm not helpless. And I am powerful because I can send the energy of my love and compassion to the divine and ask for divine assistance. And someone's going to say... What good is that going to do? Well, in, in 2003, my niece died. She, and, and people would go, well, you know, I'll pray for you. And and they didn't know what prayers to send. And so I wrote prayers that you can say after a child has died, you're not helpless anymore. Now you have something you can do or suicide But when people send prayer to a place that's had a disaster, it shifts the energy of the disaster in a thousand subtle ways. If you know of a family, you can fill in their name and you wanna send your prayers to them. Money is energy. but so is thought, so is love, so is compassion. I would offer that no one is helpless everyone has the potential to be helpful you can use the prayers in the crossing over prayer book you can create your own christ was once asked by his siblings what you know what is the best prayer to say and his response to them was the prayer that comes from deep in your heart that that you're filling your heart with this love for or compassion for you're seeing in front of you and you're sending that to the individual in your own words. And his sibling says, yeah, but it's going to sound so much better if you create it because after all we know who you are. And so Christ created the Lord's prayer. And his point though is extremely well taken. And if anyone wants to read about where I got this information, it's in the Urantia book. You are a n t i a, the Urantia book. Read the last section, it's one third of the book is on the life of Christ. Will change your view of this, this great being who visited this planet.
0: How do you spell Urantia again?
1: U r a n t i a, the Urantia book. It's that off worlders have for this planet. Cool. And when you read about the beauty of the words that Christ said, one of the statements he made was the love and compassion of a true friend help in every moment of a dark time. They lift your sadness and they make you feel that you are not alone. Well, you're sending prayer to people you don't know, have never met, will never meet. But you're still lifting darkness. You're cleaning away the darkness that enables that person to think about what do they have to do next. They're not going to know that you sent the prayer. But it helps the sender and it helps the receiver. And it raises everyone's frequency along the way. Be powerful, not powerless.
0: The nice way of positioning that I'm helpless. Well, What can you do? And uh, I go back to my course of miracles, and God cannot do for you what God cannot do through you. So if you are the son of God, uh, then you are a spokesperson for God, and what would God do or say in this moment of now? Although my ego says I'm not God, but there's another part of me in saying, well, either I'm a divine being or I'm not, and if I'm a divine being, what what would a divine being be? in this moment of now and how would that divine being vibrate the air uh, and 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 what would that divine being do and what comes along with that to me is what you said was compassion um, and compassion and understanding and love and support and, and 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 to me when you look at the definitions of the chakras uh compassion love support you, they describe what they are up there in the crown chakra and the, the, the sixth chakra is where these intuitive, loving, compassionate kind of experiences are. Uh, and and it seems as though the, the vibration gets gets more and more refined until it, it disappears. It, and I'm not quite sure intuitively it has to disappear because in stillness there is no vibration. Uh, It's absolutely still there's no ripples at all on the surface of of the wall
1: that you you can see or feel, but there's always vibration. There's always vibration. It never leaves. It's never not there because vibration is basically God. We are the spark of that, which is the creation. Every planet, every star, every asteroid has a frequency it can't not have a frequency. Even the soul in death carries the frequency of who they were in life. They carry it with them at death. Frequency is never turned off. It is. It's like when when I was a little girl, they said, Well, God always was and always will be. And I And I spent a lifetime pondering that statement. Well, that's just fascinating. Always was, but if energy is neither created nor destroyed, so God always was. And I'm just circulating these scientific concepts, but they're spiritual concepts because God is the first scientist. So it, it comes around. Vibration can't, you know, when you look at the, when you study Pleiadian spacecraft, which is one of the easiest ways to do that is Randolph Winter's book, um, The Pleiadian Mission. They talk about null time. And when a Pleiadian spacecraft travels, they have to be very careful of the frequency and the energetic output of the spacecraft moving through a solar system because it will affect time in that solar system. But when they reach past the solar system into deep space, they enter null time, which is why they can go from the Pleiades to Earth in about seven hours. So when that happens, which is just a, that alone is a pretty fascinating concept.
0: Absolutely. So that's, that's one of the problems that you face because the distances are so vast that there's no mechanism that we can think about that would allow you to transport across vast distances. And if these Palladian folks, uh, which is that, is that the closest galaxy is the Palladian galaxy? I'm
1: not, I'm not qualified to answer that question. So uh, I'm not going okay. to say that. I, I know we have Andromeda and there's just
0: Maybe it's Andromeda. I think it might be the Andromeda. But anyway, might, anyway, I
1: mean, there are so many groups that visit this planet. It's, it's amazing. But have Randolph you seen under- an
0: increase? I, I remember Carl Jung talked about uh, flying saucers. And he said that the flying saucers that we're seeing are a reflection of psychological things going on inside of us that are being projected out into the big world. Uh, and and are indicators that uh, that chaotic things that you're talking about. It, it's time for uh, one of these folks to come and, and set things straight. Otherwise, we're going to shake the spaceship apart, and that's not what we want to do.
1: No, we don't want to do that. And there are there are many beings on the planet. They're working. Quietly and diligently to help the planet, to raise frequency, to create awareness. And I really think, you know, your podcast is one of those in maybe indirect or inadvertent opportunities or efforts that awaken people to possibilities that they might not have thought of Yep. that, uh, Well, you know, who are the beings that are visiting this planet? My feeling is that it has accelerated greatly because we're using weapons now that have not been seen on Earth since the time of Atlantis. They were used then. They're being used again. Unfortunately, I'm hoping that we have learned lessons and that the people who are in mortal bodies during this particular window of time are going to be able to shift things so that we don't have a sec a third destruction, which is what happened with Atlantis 1 and 2, and of course Lemuria. So we must learn from history: the higher we raise the frequency, the lower the possibility of a global war. Yep. And I believe that. We are actually in a better place than we might think we are. It looks doom and gloom. But one of the things to observe, if you stand back and you observe things, every day there's information coming out that we never knew. Revelations are being made. Information is being shared that we might have all suspected for a period of time, but now it's being verified. People's suspicions have been validated,
0: for example,
1: um, I'm trying to calculate which one to use. Some of this <laughs> some of the uh, kind of not without being political, I mean there have been there are a number of articles about weather manipulation. And those aren't theories. Those are fact. There are many mechanical efforts to create and manipulate weather that have been going on at least 60 to 70 years, but they're becoming more intense. This is also something that happened in Atlantis. And there's just article after article after article about how weather is being manipulated whether you're seeding clouds or those crazy lines you see in the sky what are those and the information is readily there some of it's actually in the congressional record especially the chemical trails they're putting in the sky that information is now well-known mainstream public media that many people tried other people to see tried to get other people to see and they didn't see and Okay so let's say that you have you have strontium 90 barium and aluminum coming down from the skies and you're trying to grow a crop what can you do you have to rebalance the earth and there are those people who are working on that etherically to rebalance the earth and send different energies to the earth to neutralize that and then there are those people who are doing it mechanically with different kinds of food and mulch and going back to restorative and regenerative farming rather than chemical farming, which is what we have a majority of. But if you have regenerative farming, you can feed the world without a problem. So I think that we're seeing a lot of interesting things be revealed, that's important. We're also seeing something that we have right now, we didn't have in Atlantis, something so precious, so important, that has been a beacon for a long time, and that's the U.S. Constitution. And every politician swore an oath to, to protect and defend it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I took that oath I don't know how many times, especially you know, when you're in the Navy. That's that's really important because that's the whole point. And that is for the common person. It's not just for a wealthy person. It's for everyone who is a U.S. citizen or who wishes to support what this country started out as. Not a perfect country. There are no perfect countries because there are no perfect people. They're all people on a journey. But the constitution was written by conscientious people to give individuals rights that they had never had through through the hierarchies in Europe that went back to the divine right of kings. Basically, the Constitution said, um, we're not doing this divine right of kings anymore. They don't have any more divine right than anybody else. They're human beings like the rest of us. Our rights should be our rights. And we're going to put it in a document. And we're going to make everyone understand that this document is really important. Very interesting right now, I don't know if Perhaps your listeners knew this, but during the American Revolution, only 3% of the population realized what was happening and participated until it became far more mainstream. 3% changed the world. I think that's a remarkable statistic. But Canada went along with the British crown. Canada that never objected to the taxes that the British imposed. Canada is in a very different place right now. The United States for all our flaws and our the corruptions at various levels, the constitution still stands as a beacon and is one of the things circling back that keeps the frequency of this country high higher than it might have been if we didn't have that document.
0: That's a great point. Uh, the You've mentioned the word stability. And how do you achieve stability when you're trying to deal with power uh, and egoic power and, and drives and psychological issues? Well, let's see, why don't we create an executive? Why don't we create a legislative? And why don't we create a judicial? And 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 have a, a balance between the three forms of energy and some stability there and you're right for the last you know 200 and how many years it is 2 300 years uh, that that stability has handled uh the the chaos that surrounds it and, and 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 one of the issues now that we're facing and might be another podcast is that uh, there are, for the first time, there are uh, people who want to uh, attack that that stability. Uh, for for you wonder why you'd want to keep attacking, uh, and it's like shooting something again and again and again until you kill it. Why why would you want to kill it rather than defend it, especially when you've taken an oath to defend it? And so it's like this is one of those times that it's going to be a test, test of the Constitution.
1: And the Constitution, let's look at the symbolism of where it is. It's behind a pretty significant construct of Lexan, which is bulletproof glass. And, you know, short of a nuclear missile, the physical document is protected in multiple ways, but all of us have copies. Um, all of us have copies, I have mine here somewhere, of the constitution. So, whether you destroy the document, it's it was made available for anyone who wanted to read it. The openness of it, it's a it's a survival mechanism and a mechanism to thrive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Keeping these rights, they are unalienable rights. And there are a lot of people who are working very hard to defend the Constitution, which and we're hearing this more and more. Every time someone talks about it, it it rings a frequency bell. If you don't want to, an organ if you don't want to live in a country that's governed by a constitution of checks and balances, you don't have to live here. You can live elsewhere. But for those who choose to live with a constitution, you know, a republic which is what we are, then that needs to be respected. And I I think that When we look at the constructs that we have, it's not the gloom and doom people want it to to be. It's not the gloom and doom we have been led to believe. Are there horrible things happening? There are horrible things happening. Have there been horrible things happening in the past? Yes, there have been. And I have a belief in this country. I have a belief there is so much goodness in this country and there is so much goodness in the world and there are people who love their countries. I lived in Italy three years. I was fascinated to see that Italy has come out and said that they will no longer allow any form of genetically modified food fake food in any way, shape, or form. They are keeping their way of farming. They're keeping their meat, their cheeses. Their heritage is food. Think about it. The heritage of virtually every country you can think of is food. And that is a huge attack. Italy is saying, no, we're not going to do that. We won't be governed by these people who want us to stop our very heritage, the lifeblood of who we are. I mean, to an Italian, food is so sacred and so critically important that they're standing up to people who would who would take that away from them.
0: Sure, sure. A strong identity to the food. And so you take something that I've strong identified with, I'm going to say, no, I want to keep it. Keep it the way it is, which also gives you that stability you were talking about. It's the way grandma made it, passed down from generation to generation, it's just like mom made it. Mom, this is the way you're going to make it today, and dad. And so there, you're you're right. It is a it is a it is a cultural thing, but it also gives people that that stability. Don't rock the boat. Hey, make it the way mom made it. Make make it the way dad made it. Just don't rock the boat. Well, I mean, the, the Italians
1: have massage. Mechanisms for the cows that make the mozzarella cheese, the mozzarella di buffalo. And I can't imagine life without Parmesan cheese. That's not, you know, other than, you know, the craft stuff. But true Parmesan is an art form.
0: <laughs> wow. Well.
1: So again, when you're in Italy, there is a happiness there. There is a joy of life. They've been governed by hundreds and thousands of different groups and peoples and they were separated into city states and yet they are united in their love of their country on an, on a remarkable level and the defense of their own their institutions and one of their biggest ones is food and the, and it's it's a it's a, it's a, a partnership with family Mm. Families, families are incredibly important in Italy, and they're worried because their population is in negative numbers, yep. and that is a deep concern to them. It's not as bad as China, which is in horrendous shape. Um, they're going to, they're losing their population at an ever accelerating rate,
0: and so it's going to be so. Interesting. So I. Uh... It's to be my last question because we're often at this one. If the population on the spaceship is keeps building and building and building, the resources that are available on the spaceship are not going to be enough to feed the population. So the population going down in China, the population going down in Japan, the population going down in Italy... Uh, it, it, to me, it's like what wh- isn't that something that is positive uh, rather than, oh my God, we got to worry about that. So explain to me the, the the differences here.
1: Well, I saw a fascinating discussion of population by a person whose entire life has been spent studying it. And I saw this probably fifteen years ago and he said the population has already hit peak and is declining. And and by the way, we're no longer at seven point five billion. We're down to six point eight. We've already lost, and we're losing at an accelerating rate. So well, I, pop- I,
0: I, it, I, that's important because I thought it was going that it way. Is
1: not, it is not. This is the biggest lie ever told. We are at six point eight and dropping rapidly. I mean, the population is dropping we might be at six by the end of the year. I mean, I mean, population globally is going down, population was going down anyway, based on one remarkable factor. If no one had worried about global population, it would have taken care of itself for one remarkable reason. And that is improvement in a person's financial situation. When you in, when you improve the standard of living for people and you make certain things available to them, whether it's birth control or sanitation, what you end up with is the population goes into a balanced place. And I saw this with, uh, I mean, we lived in San Diego for 32 years. And everyone said, oh, my gosh, all the Mexicans are coming. The population is going to explode. And I said, maybe not. All those, those dramatic forecasts didn't take in the human element. A friend of mine's dad was one of 12 children. He's a US citizen now, grew up in Tijuana. He had two sons. His sons didn't want children. And so he didn't want 12 children. So this exponential, oh my God, all the immigrants are gonna want 12 and 20 children is a lie. That's simply untrue. As their standard of living increased, they loved what they were doing. They had a better opportunity for education. They put off having children. And in a natural course of events, of the improvement of the human condition each individual had fewer children because now they wanted to give them a better standard of living that implies if you don't have 12 you can do more for two than you could possibly do for 12. it is common sense and it is a wonderful way to look at it and this is true in India it's true in 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 Africa there was an astonishing program that was going on in africa that would have changed everything that's going on in africa today and including population the human condition the way these people made a living and increased their standard of living in an amazing way and it was destroyed this is another conversation but there was a plan to dramatically improve the the human condition in Africa, unlike anything anyone had ever done before. And that that didn't happen, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it didn't happen. Um, let's just say there was a lot more to Benghazi than anybody realizes. So when you look at that and you realize that this be, be afraid of population, isn't true then you start to relax, you start to be more compassionate, start to be more welcoming, and you stop worrying. Things are going to work out. Things are going to be better than we realize. And if you focus on what you can do successfully, which is all different kinds of prayer, whatever your faith is, it's what's in your heart that you're asking God, you're asking God to help The people who lost their jobs in Acapulco, thousands and thousands and thousands of families lost their jobs. The people in Lahaina still don't know where 1,200 children are. Sending prayers and asking God to help those families is something positive you can do. It raises your frequency because it puts you in resonance with your higher chakras. It helps your heart and it helps the recipient. It's like, it's... (laughs) It's the most divine form of magic there is. Wow.
0: What a, nice, what a nice way of phrasing a divine source of magic. Playing with the metaphysical world and believing that the metaphysical world contains healing energies. And how do we access that metaphysical world? And prayer certainly is sending something out into the, into the, the space, ether. Into, into, into the ether. Well, thank you, Tina. Today was another great conversation full of wisdom and knowledge. And, and we, I love the clarity of, of, of your communication because it's nice and crystal. I love your enthusiasm. So thank you again for being a wonderful guest on the Mindful You podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Alan. I love being on your show. It's awesome.
0: Well, Thank you. and Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening, and please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast, and please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.